0: This is Sarah Bordeath, and you are listening to PodSam, the podcast channel of Sam Magazine, the voice of the mountain resort industry. It has never been more important for close coordination between the rental department and Snow Sports School. Both faced issues of social distancing and face covering while performing personal services, sometimes in very close proximity to guests. On this episode, we welcome co-host Nick Heron, CEO of the Professional Ski Instructors of America and the American Association of Snowboard Instructors to lead a panel discussion on how resorts are planning to handle the many touch points of these two key departments. How are resorts looking at capacity, avoiding bottlenecks and still providing a memorable experience given all the constraints? We chat with operators across the globe about what they are doing and what they are planning to do this season. We'll start the discussion here with Sam publisher, Olivia Rowan. So uh, thank you for joining us today for our
1: Monday huddle. I'm Libby Roan, the publisher of Sam Magazine. And joining me today is co-host Nick Heron, who is the CEO of PSIA and Aussie. And today we're going to talk about snow sports and rental. Um, We did a huddle back in mid-May on rental, and we did a snow sports huddle with Nick back in June. the world has made a few 180s, and here we are returning to uh, these two topics, but this time we're combining them um, because we really feel it takes close coordination this winter between rental and snow sports school, um, and you know, to meet the COVID 19 safety guidelines, to manage capacity, to prepare staff, and try and offer a, a great customer experience through all this. So um, that's why we combine those two topics together. So, um, to answer, these types of questions that we're going to dive into our co-host Nick Heron as I mentioned is going to work with a panel of snow sports and rental innovators um, who will um, together we will explore some of the options that are out there. So With that, let's, um, I want to start where we are lucky to have Kelly Pollock here, who's the president of um, NSAA, National Skiers Association. And she's going to share some updates on NSAA's efforts to help navigate the upcoming winter season. They have lots of resources from toolkits to webinars and so Kelly, um, fill us in what what you guys are working on.
2: Right, um, just a couple things. So um, our pandemic playbook, we had, a, we had one to bring your staff back and to, for summer operations. The winter one comes out this week, so that'll be on our website. It's, we call it A to Z, uh, because it has everything from adaptive to zip lines. So um, you can go there if you need uh, help with anything uh, as you write your winter operating plans. Uh, lots of good links to good resources. And then our Ski Well Be Well um, document that the industry came together and put, put together. Um, the government version is out, that's on our website. But the public version, the one that you can go out to um, your guests with and, and invite them um, to help you reduce virus uh, spread at your ski areas uh, everything from face coverings to social distancing. Uh, that will be out this week and it will be on our website. And the the cool thing about that is you can take parts and pieces. Um, Our designer will have everything available to you so you can use it. You can create posters or uh, a social media campaign or just put it on your website. Um, So that'll be available this week also. And then on Wednesday at 11 o'clock Mountain Time, we have a webinar to uh, just walk you through the the winter pandemic playbook. Uh, So those are a few things going on at NSA and thanks Olivia. Yeah, just a few things Kelly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's gonna be a busy week, so that's great. Yeah, Nick.
3: Yeah, thanks Olivia. Um, As Olivia said, uh, these forums have become a great opportunity to share ideas, not just across the U.S., but across the world as we have Rachel and Simone in part uh, joining us today which is very exciting but we feel as as we draw nearer to the season there's continual evolution going on and continual changes so we feel it's so important to continue to have these I know we scheduled another one towards the end of this month within SAA to dive deeper into the playbook on the ski and ride side as well as rentals and then we'll have another one for snow sports managers uh, in November so that uh, through PSIA AASI, so that hopefully we may have some more supervisors and middle managers joining so that we can tackle different topics at all levels of management. So really excited to kick this one off. I'm going to pass it back over to Olivia to um, introduce Rachel and and we'll get started.
1: Great. So um, we're going to start by heading to the Southern Hemisphere um, with um, Rachel Milner, who's the snow sports school kindy and host director at Cardrona Alpine Resort and Treble Cone, New Zealand. And so, you, um, in a, some email exchanges and conversation with Nick, um, you said it's definitely been a season full of learning. Um, so, you know, can you tell us, just first update us briefly on the, the evolution. And the thing that's most interesting for us heading into this winter is um, A, you, you're operating during the winter season during a pandemic, um, but you've had the change in the levels um, and um, and that's something we fully expect that it's going to be a moving target for us too. So, um, tell us a little bit about the evolution of the season and, and the transitions you had to make, um, and and you know, getting into a little bit of the employee dynamics um, and the working with your frontline instructors and supervisors through the season. You know, the culture of moving from a technical focus to a more social and emotional support-specific um, focus. Can you tell us a little bit about the inner work of how that was?
4: Yora, uh, hello everyone. Thank you for having me along today. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a hell of a ride, absolutely. Um, uh, just to sort of go into a little bit of a, kind of just to set the scene with the timeline. Um, mm. At this point in our season, so in March this year, New Zealand went into full lockdown. So our international borders closed. And the whole country went into full lockdown Um, and and March is the equivalent of September for for you guys. So at this point now where you're sitting, um, we were obviously full on getting ready to to open um, and everything stopped. And at that point we didn't know if it was going to open again, if we were going to have a season. So we spent best part of a month sort of in limbo, not, not really knowing, not knowing how much to carry on with, not knowing what, what to pull back on. So um, as we got, we were in level four um, and then in April, at the end of April, we moved into level three. And I have to say that throughout this whole situation, we've had very, really, very, very clear um, information from our government. So we've had four levels, four is, um, four level, level four is complete lockdown level three essential workers only level two there's um we can operate but with um more um, procedures in place and then level one um is almost normal so um it's been very clear from the government about what each level um what each level entails Um, so we were in level three and um our gm popped up one day and she was like i think i think we can we're going to be able to operate in level two um, we, we know that level two is coming. We're pretty confident that we're going to get level two. So, um, we're going to, we're to write the playbook for, 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 level two. So we all came back onto work and we got going and we did a lot of work around getting ready for, for level two, which I'm thinking that you guys are sort of right at that, right at that point. Um, and then we were very lucky just before we started to, just before we got ready to open, we went into level one. And so level one for us is almost business as normal. But, with our international borders um, closed, so domestic travel only domestic market only, and that was a that set the scene for our forecasting for numbers um, so we opened um, really without too many procedural protocols around us, so we were lucky in that respect. Um, what we weren 't ready for were the numbers of slow sports enthusiasts who absolutely wanted to come skiing. So um, we have been way, way busier than we forecasted for. And um, which of course is amazing, um, but also put a lot of operational pressure on us as a resort and, and the staff. So um, our, our Prime Minister came down early on and um, she came to Kadrona actually, and um, she was there and went out on national television and told New Zealand to come skiing, um, and they did. So we have, um, yeah, the two big things really that that we have been um, dealing with in a good way, one has been business levels, and then um, about three, four weeks ago, we went back into level two, and so we had that change, as you said, Olivia, we, we went from level one back, like took a step backwards, and had to start operating at level two, and that was a really interesting step. So... Um, We had written all of the protocols and procedures. We had never operated at level two. So when the government um, called us at level two, we took 24 hours, we shut both the resorts, we got our management together and got onto the resorts, organized us to be at level two, put all the comms out to the staff that we needed to, and we reopened 24 hours later at level two. And we've been operating at level two So, and that, and there's been some really interesting learnings around, around that.
1: Tell tell us some of the, you know, some of the standout learnings that, that, Mm. you know, for, for us heading into it, you know, what, what are the biggest standouts of maybe I wish I'd spent more time thinking about this, put more into that, something that turned out to be a, a silver lining or a win that you didn't realize that kind of.
4: Yeah. And you know what, there was plenty of those. So as, as, as challenging as it's been, um, there, there's been some really good wins out of it. Um, so my first, my first high level learning, I guess, and you can see from the slide here, these are, this is just a wee bit of a brain dump that I did the other day, um, was to be flexible and ready to think outside the box. And I'll give you an example of that. So as we went into level two, one of the restrictions, which is nationwide, is that um, we can only have 100, there's a maximum of 100 people indoors at once. So that meant for our food and bev um, outlets, it was only 100. For our rental, the same. For our ticket office, the same. For our kids' indoor facility. So anywhere that anybody goes inside, it could only be 100. That was a big pinch point for our food and bev outlets. So one of the things that we did um, was we encouraged people to bring their own food and to use their car as their day lodge, as their base. And, you know, it, I guess if you'd have asked any of us if we would have been encouraging our guests to bring their own food, you know, this time last year, it would have been a, a crazy suggestion, but our, um, we needed to make sure that guests, A, knew what the, what the situation was, but also could get shelter. So if there was ever gonna be a really cold day on the hill, we couldn't get everybody into a building and that was important to us that people understood that we were encouraging them to to use their car and also um, the queues for food, the lines for food were um, on those busy days were quite big. So we wanted to give people that option of being able to go back to their car and have lunch. Um, Rachel, I was
3: just gonna jump in and ask you a question. I I think it's really relevant to some of our more regional resorts, learning from you where um, you know, uh, the citizens of New Zealand were encouraged to explore New Zealand and you weren't having to outside. So your outside employment didn't come. You, I'm sure you had staffing level issues. Um, how did you tackle, um, you know, peak and flows on the weekends with that? And how did your staff react to
5: that?
4: Yeah, so um, we were at, um, we'd sent out 280 job offers for Snow sports School. And um, when we, shut down and then when we were reopening um we were forecasting at 50 percent of business and i looked at that and i thought well i i forecasted at about 35 percent of that for snow sport, snow sport school because lessons are discretionary spend and we weren't sure how the whole economic impact was was going to kind of play out for us so i think i went quite conservative. with with my um, staffing and I ended up going into the season with 90 instructors. Um, Right now I'm sitting at 146, so I have scrambled over the time that we've been open and gone out to the community and found other instructors when it became very obvious very quickly that we were going to be way busier than um, than that 35% that we'd forecasted. the big difference for us was we do have of the 280 a hundred of those staff were coming from overseas on visas um, and a lot of them had been with us for eight to ten years so they represented for us um a a big part of that that core part of our workforce and without them there um what i have found in in our slow sports school is that we've got um a bunch of our top end guys our examiners and trainers um and then we have more level ones than we would normally have. And there has been times when that has created a little bit of an operational pinch for us for um, being able to deliver advanced lessons or intermediate lessons. So I think that's something to consider is that wherever you end up with your staffing is to look really carefully at your, the, the levels and to see where those levels are and um, might have to adjust right accordingly to that
3: what about in terms of I know we kind of had a conversation that you were very focused on operations and how technical you're going to set up your your staff or set up the operations and then you moved more into kind of social and emotional support of your staff I, I want to ask kind of a technical question first did you offer group lessons in the kids areas at level two and how did you handle chair lifts there's a couple of questions in the chat field about that one
4: yeah sure um so So like I say, we had some really strong and consistent messaging from the government. And then um, we went to SANS, Ski Area Association of New Zealand, and and the ski areas worked together and created a playbook, if you would. And then below that, we had our own resort um, protocols. So we, um, at level two, we were able to do group lessons. And the rule there was one meter distancing. And we were able to go closer to that if it wasn't prolonged, if it wasn't more than 15 minutes. So we felt in that regard, it was was safe for us to operate. We could still help our guests off the snow. We could still do up people's boots. We could still do up people's helmets. We just, um, as much as we could, we would keep that one meter distancing. For group lessons, we we went to um, we pulled in our capacities, so we went to books group lessons, and we were very careful with our capacities. We spread out our meeting area, um, which was especially relevant when we had our big multi-week um, school groups. So there's a couple of days when we do 400 local primary schools, and we spread them out in different areas um, of our meeting area.
3: And what about specific to chairlifts? Did you have any different protocols for kids?
4: Yeah, that was a really interesting process um, to go through. So what um, SANS came back with was um, protocols for chair riding, which were um, distancing on the chairlift. So it was a meter apart on the chairlift. So on our six-seaters, it was three, and on our quads, it was two people. Um, And... As a group of snowsports school directors, we got together, we discussed it, and then we went back to Sands and we said, "Look, we feel personally we feel that there's actually more risk in being um, distanced from our kids than it is from being on the chairlift with our kids." Um, so that that conversation went back and forth, and in the end, they came back and said, yeah, you are a lo- allowed to load as a bubble with your group." So. Um, We considered our group, our our, our ski school group, our bubble, and we loaded as per normal with our kids on the chairlift. The only difference was um, we are allowed to ask before, we would be allowed to ask a um, member of the public to load with the kids to help them, and we, we were not allowed to do that anymore. So we didn't have anybody ride with the kids except for the instructor or another instructor.
6: Rachel did, Rachel, did
1: you find when you went, you were at one and then you went back to level two, did you lose, uh, did, did the demand change in groups or did you have staff that gave pause to showing up or showed more signs of stress and, you know, did that impact?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's probably one of the big messages is that as much as we prepared technically with our procedures and with all of our operation protocols, um, you know, that was a really important part of it. It was really important to get those really clean, consistent messages to our staff. Actually what, what has ended up happening is it's actually been the emotional support that's been the most important. So as everybody's got used to operating in a new way, which everybody does, it has actually been the emotional impact. So for some people, we have some older members of our staff and obviously they're more cautious. Um, some people have family that are affected um, in in Auckland. So it's it's much more real for them. And then for some people, they're just more nervous about the whole situation. So um, I think, you know, given the nature of what we do, probably the majority of our staff are fine. They're very go with the flow, they're, they're totally happy. They'll as long as they're skiing and riding, they're fine. But there are there are some members of our staff that um, need more support and need that ability to be able to not come to work sometimes. So we've uh, our uh, it's really shifted, I think, from from the, the the technical part of operating to really paying more attention to the well-being um, of the staff, and that's right the way through the resort.
3: That's great. Rachel, one last question, and then we're going to actually move on to L and, and and Matt from from Squaw Valley. But um, did you change anything? There's a lot of waiting time throughout the day. How did you set up your staff for their comfort inside versus outside? Did you do anything different there for instructors?
4: Um, our locker rooms are shared, so we have the same capacity as our in our locker room as we do anywhere. So we we had to make sure that um, our lunch times were were staggered which they kind of are, are organically were anyway because of our products but um so we just made sure that we would only have a certain amount of people in the locker room at once and then the cleaning right the way through the resort was upped so the cleaners come through i think it's three times a day they come through and do a surface clean um three times a day and then there was things like um, there's no you have to bring your own cutlery you have to bring your own plates your own cups so everything that comes into the locker room you, you belongs to you you take care of and you take out again so there's nothing lying around
3: but for the most part you were you weren't um, limiting the amount of staff in the locker room it was pretty much flow independent guidance trusting yeah Great. Yeah, that's right. Right. yeah yeah thank you thank you Rachel um, I'm going to jump over to El Fertney, uh, the ski and snowboard director at Squaw Mountain, as well as Matt Joyce, the director of retail, rental, and, and commercial at, at Squaw Valley and Alpine Meadows. Uh, Matt, I want to start with you and kind of—I I know most rental uh, shops have set up pre-reservations. However, you guys have a lot of day visitors, people walking in. Um, how are you tackling the difference between people who are prepared two weeks in advance versus people who may just show up? And trying to create fewer contact points. Can you dive into that a little bit?
7: Yeah, Nick. Thank you. So, um, like Nick said, we're we're predominantly in a drive market. You know, um, I think our historical pre-book for a rental is around eighteen percent, maybe up to twenty percent at best. So we are moving towards more of a a uh, reservation only model for rentals. But to solve for the walk-in guests or you know the unprepared or the kind of the, the, the guest that follows the weather is we're looking at a lot of over-the-counter solutions, web-based solutions that offer virtual queuing and functionality and also bi-directional text engagement. So I'm in conversations with quite a few companies such as Cueless, uh, Zingle, Waitwhile. And essentially what we're doing is we're trying to figure out how we can um, push that guest to wait online versus inline um so that we don't have any kind of gatherings within the shop so th- thereby you know we eliminate the traditional lines and pileups you you see in a rental shop on saturday morning um the text communication is a key piece and a key component is this and um we we've, we've used text engagement with our customer a little bit but moving moving forward we're finding a lot of our our consumers obviously are technology savvy and they're looking for more of a modern consumer journey and we're also thinking that this solution can be used, you know, after COVID, you know, passes, um, you know, not only something that can solve for COVID circumstances, but, but we continue to modernize the consumer journey in the rental shop, which, you know, has traditionally, traditionally not have such a modern journey. But um, both of those solutions right now are, are you know, we're in con- conversations with a lot of companies the cost is uh, is 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 very reasonable um, and also seasonal, so we can we can kind of ramp up and ramp down for the winter. We can also use it th- through the summer. I'm also thinking about using it in retail locations for our boot fitting operations in our ski shop. So there's a lot of dual functionality there.
3: And this this my next question might be for you and L, but in regards to the, the general consumer. Uh, are you handling people who are taking lessons? Do they go to different facilities or have you looked towards outside facilities for rentals or how are and L tackling that specifically to group and private lesson clientele? So
8: I can start with that. Thanks, Nick. Um, and it's nice to be here. I, uh, we are really lucky to have such a great partnership with our rental team and at Squaw Valley, we have a dedicated facility that's a rental facility which is also for our sales and service of of group and private lessons for adults. So it makes it really nice for us because we can identify all of our ski school guests immediately when they walk in there and then Matt's team gives them a really high level of service right from the get go. So it allows us to split our inventory a little bit and manage those guests kind of separately from the main throng in the rental shop, knowing that, our group lesson guests are all going to want to get out, you know, right in time for their class at the same time. So having them separated gives us more inventory to flow them
3: through the rental shop. Speaking of people getting out on time for lessons, Ella, how are you tackling splits or maybe evaluating or have you looked at any way to manage the, the pre-arrival or the, the, the learning area differently when it comes to lineups and whatnot? Yes, we have. Um,
8: We are working with some technology partners, including Flake, who was great last year for instructor management and is expanding a little bit more into guest management this year. So we, in theory, should be able to collect level information from the guests prior to arrival and be able to pre-form groups and assign them to instructors before we even see them. And I'll give Maggie Lauren credit because she gave me the idea because they've been doing it at Snowbird with their own software. And I think, you know, to Olivia's point, I believe it was her about, you know, every crisis has an opportunity. And maybe it was Kelly, I can't remember. But this is an opportunity, like Matt said, to create ways of handling splits and guests, kind of the madness in the morning that are going to be better guest service going forward if we can pull it off. And with Reduced inventory this year, it should be an easier task to try to figure out while we have smaller groups and fewer of them.
3: No, that's great. Um, can you talk about again, based on the how you how you're located so close to the Bay Area? Can you talk about? I know you have a very strong regional or multi-week program, whatever you want to call that. How are you planning on tackling that? I think you've told me you've had shown still very strong interest in that in purchases. So. Can you kind of describe how you're tackling just the daily from from lunches to creating groups and managing those, those kids' groups? Yep. So
8: that program as well has a, you know, we do between the two resorts and all of our different days of programming, we have more than 600 kids on any given year in those programs. And with not having lunches for our day groups, we are thinking that we can still offer a full-day program to those kids and spread and stagger enough with lunches through our facilities that we can still offer a full have dedicated staff who are monitoring lunch they're all masked and so the instructors don't have to eat with the maskless um, and that's our hope that we can pull it off this year uh, I think it's totally possible it's a lot of locals it's a lot of employees that count on us for this program and we're doing everything in our power to pull it off this year. Are,
3: are you limiting ratios to those or?
8: Um, We will be, yes. You know, we're not going to have large groups of eight to 12 kids. We'll have smaller groups. Okay, What's great. the
1: youngest you go? Kids, those are
8: small groups anyway. Pardon?
1: What's the youngest you'll go with the kids? So we actually
8: go down to three in that program. And as of yet, we are continuing to believe that we can pull off three to six-year-olds in that locals program because those groups are set, we'll have contact tracing available. It's a little different than just a every day, oh, here's my three-year-old for the day. So again, it's, it's, everything is subject to change. The word planning for the season seems kind of a a little bit of an overstatement, but as of right now, we're planning to pull off little kids as well in those programs. The three year olds, they only do half day programming, but we do have four to six year olds that do a six day, six hour day. So, you know, with a lunch break. So if, if it turns out, and, and honestly, if, if we don't think we can do it safely, then we'll pull the plug on that segment and we'll refund everybody's money and apologize
3: and do what we can. But
8: right now we're feeling
3: optimistic. That whole not eating with your kids—I—I'd die to be a ski instructor right now. That was, you know, in. um, no, thank you, L. What about—and uh, Rachel, just be prepared. I have one more question for you. But L, if you could just kind of tell us about—have um, you? How have you been communicating to your staff? Have you done surveys? What is the feedback that you're getting from staff as they as you're onboarding them? We're getting closer to the season. What's what's kind of the, the the feedback you're getting from them?
8: So again. Um, Fortunately, flake had a survey that they were sending out to all the instructors in their resorts with permission and so we participated in that and it was fascinating the feedback that came back from instructors was pretty much right in line with what we were thinking which was smaller groups little ones privates only um, and not having lunch you know understanding that all the indoor facilities were going to be the biggest challenge for us. So I feel like the instructors are well aware of what to expect. We've continued to provide regular communication as things are evolving. And just even if I don't have anything to report that's new and different and a change, just reaching out and saying, hey, here's what we're thinking. Here's this tiny modification that we're contemplating makes them feel connected and part of. And I've been really happy with how optimistic the staff is about coming back and being able to deliver a fun product
3: on snow as an outdoor sport. Oh, that's great. Thanks, Ellen. And before we jump over to, to Bird at Taos, Rachel, have you had any, I know you guys have done a lot of contact tracing, but have you had any, um, anything that has been pointed back to Cadrona at all or anything in terms throughout the season that you've seen it, that COVID been, has been spotted there? Nothing? Five.
4: Nothing. That's great. People are very people and people seem to be very relaxed when they get out and about on the snow you know people are covered up they're outside they're distanced because they have skis and board on so you know the pup guests and um, staff are more relaxed on snow it's definitely been the inside areas that have created the the pinch.
1: And Nick that might be a a difference that we have here is um, the government, the people, everybody's on the same page in in New Zealand. We don't, we we have to, you know, put on our big pants and get ready because it's not gonna be the same, I think, than what you guys unfortunately had.
0: We'll get back to the conversation after this message from PodSAM partner, Aspenware. Aspenware helps you modernize your mountain, providing e-commerce solutions that enhance the guest's experience. Aspenware's easy-to-use, mobile-optimized shopping experience integrated to your resort point-of-sale will increase your online sales. Aspenware Commerce natively supports passholder reservations and daily inventory with direct-to-lift capabilities. Aspenware is proud to introduce Aspenware Arrival, online check-in for the ski industry. Arrival captures required fulfillment information in advance, decreasing fulfillment lines and providing a contactless experience for you and your guests. Visit www.aspenware.com for more information.
3: Um, I'd like to introduce Bert Skall, the director of snow, uh, snow sports for Taos, New Mexico. And Bert, I, I'd love for you to, you have a very rich history in your ski school, um, and, uh, many families. I know it's a very strong private clientele. Um, and and for families who have come back year over year for many years. But can you kind of give us a background of how you're approaching your programming, your products and what you're planning on starting with and approaching the season when it comes to to products?
9: Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, The first step that we did this summer is for the snow sports schools come up with some guiding principles about what we were based upon. Um, Obviously guests and staff safety is a top priority you no, know, operate above and beyond government regulations and guidance. You know, we want to be a leader in the industry in New Mexico. Uh, go a conservative approach to opening and operations. We want to find simple solutions in a very complex time for both our guests and our staff. We want to make the operations as easy as possible, especially for the staff. Um, creative thinking and experimentation is highly encouraged. Try different things, don't get away from it. And then um, operate with a minimal financial loss is a key part of what we're trying to get, get through. Um, so, we, with that thought, New Mexico has been very fortunate in having a very um, aggressive governor in the United States with dealing with COVID. And we're one of the few, we're a green state now with, on the color. And Taos and the Taos Ski Valley has actually been called out by the governor for how well we've been doing in implementing the COVID um, safety standards and CSPs for that. We plan to continue that into the winter. Our philosophy going in is keep it simple. So we are starting the season out, and we might go the whole season, we'll see, with privates only. We will not be offering any class lessons at all uh, to start the season. So our guests will have an option of, Half-day, full-day privates, and they also have the option of joining a, or purchasing a Ski Week private lesson for the week-long process that we're going through. Um, very simple for the guests to figure out, very simple for our staff to figure out. We're going to be reservations only, so we'll know the day before how many privates we have, how many instructors we need. The instructors will know who they are skiing with. All the equipment will be pre-teched and ready for the guests as they come through the rental shop. Um, our rental facility will be at our children's, uh, children's Center, which is a 20,000 square foot recently remodeled Children's Center. So anyone that has lessons, that's taking a lesson, a private lesson, if they have a person in that group that needs rental gear, they will come to that base area of the Children's Center and we have a very streamlined process, limiting people through the building, grab their boots, verifying they fit. Their skis will be outside waiting in a rack for them with their name on them. Their instructor will be standing next to their skis and away they go for their private lesson. Um,
1: Can can families
9: stay together? Families can stay together. The private lessons could hold up to one to five people. So we'll be doing, our anticipation is we'll have a high increase in kids privates and also in family privates, which has been a growing segment anyway within the industry. So we're going to be spending a lot of time training our staff on how to deal with ranges in family privates, and then also how to get customers um, comfortable and get them to come back and ski with us again. Um, Our thought is to start simple that way and it's easier to expand out if things are going well and we can do it. We'll start to um, sprinkle in some class class programs if we can. Um, it, it's easier in our mind to be able to expand and contract and offer refunds and all those type of stuff.
3: And, you know, uh, go go from there. Um, did that answer your question, Nick? Yeah, no, that's great. It's amazing how you're repurposing your, your brand new children's facility, but just just understand that's really just becoming a staging and a and a rental facility for ski and ride so clientele you're not using it for any other purposes
9: correct you now there will still be a locker room in the ba- in this
3: in the building but it's just a this where anybody who's taking a lesson comes through pretty much and are you tackling your locker room facilities in any differently with your employees or is it kind of yeah. self management no we'll be we'll be will be uh,
9: mitigate will be monitoring and mitigating and gating our locker room. We'll have uh, allow people in for a certain amount of time. They can grab their stuff, put their boots on. We're going to move all their ski storage to outside sheds. So all they have to do is throw their boots on. And out the door, we're going to allow our instructors to take their uniforms home with them and come dressed ready for work. And so they can just go right out. Um, If they don't want a locker, we're going to have areas that will they can just throw a boot bag, or they can change in their car if they want to.
3: Bert, this is Rick call from SAM. I was curious to know how you're handling boot fitting in the rental shop, where you need uh, to get hands on. When you do need to get hands on with people, we'll
7: how are be, you handling that? Well,
9: we'll, we'll be having, um, well, guests will be wearing masks and such. The rental techs will be wearing all the gloves, protective equipment, mask, and a face shield as they if they have to deal directly with the guests there.
1: Thank yeah, thank you so much. That's very helpful. Um yeah. so next we're gonna head to uh the Midwest and we're gonna talk to Richard Wren, who's the children's snow sports director at Boyne Highlands Resort in Michigan. Um Richard, you and I talked a bit on the phone um, and I know you talked to Nick as well, but um you know I know you also talked to a bunch of the other um, rental managers at other resorts. resorts. Um, and so just give us, you know, I know you said, don't hold me to a plan because they're changing. You've got two or three plans going, but where you're at right now with um, how you're going to handle rental.
5: Well, so the, the rental approach, as uh, most areas, you know, we stick our rentals in our, our broom closets. Our spaces are definitely not big enough um, but some of the main approaches uh, that we're taking is to relocate or re- rethink about the flow through the rental shop. Um, they're also talking about some, some digital queuing as well, uh, trying to have people almost make a reservation to pick up their their uh, rental gear. Our locations that have lodging, um, we are exploring the idea of delivering rental gear to, the, to their lodging facility. Um, and with that might be a tech that goes with them that can make adjustments there. So, so we're taking one person to the room or to the condo or to wherever versus bringing the whole family into the rental shop. Um, that's one idea that I thought was pretty unique um, as well as gonna be able to adjust boots and if they need to go back and exchange something, they could do that. Um, some of our areas are implementing boot bridges. I think that's gonna be a pretty uh, a key factor. We can move people into the rental shop, get their boots fit and get them through. Um, where they don't have to take off other gear. They can just stand there, hold on to the railing. A boot tech can be down below a shield, adjusting boots and kind of going that way. But I think the, uh, the pre-reservation and trying to get the equipment out of the shop is going to be the key that most of our rental shops are looking at.
1: And how are you approaching for, for Snow Sports School? How are you approaching um, your specific products like groups versus privates? And how are you guys thinking through you know. Well,
5: it, I'll tell you, that's been, that's been the biggest question uh, any of us having, you know, shooting arrows into the air and hoping they, they land somewhere. But um, we are we're going very much on a, a private-based uh, focus. We're still going to offer group lessons uh, on a very limited scale because we're going to take a lot of those group instructors and try to fold them into the private lesson realm. Um, we're going to have limited group lessons of no more than five students per instructor. Uh, pre-reservation only so we can try to build and go grab that level um, ahead of time so we can uh, have an idea of what we're going to have out there but we are limiting eliminating the three through six-year-olds um, we're going to offer a three through six-year-old private lesson that the parents are going to be required to attend um, so it'll be more of a uh, um teaching the parent how to teach the child in such a way. We'll still kind of provide everything, but let the mom and dad wipe the noses, let the mom and dad pick them up, let the mom and dad deal with the crying, that type of thing. But an idea that really just came around this morning that I haven't shared with you guys yet, and it's not a for sure yet, but uh, stealing an idea from a swim lesson. um, And we're going to call it possibly, you know, mom and me or dad, and me or mom and dad and I Uh, where it will be a small group lesson for three, four, five, and six-year-olds where it's the student and a parent, and then one instructor, where the uh, instructor will be kind of teaching the parent how to teach the children in the lesson, and that kind of just came around this morning, and really focusing on or or formatting that based off of uh, swim lessons, Um, those those parent taught swim lessons, so that's kind of a new one that we're approaching now too. Nice.
1: Great. Nick did you have any other questions for Richard before we
3: no that's great I, I, I love the idea of engaging the parents more during this time Richard I think it's so cool that I think, you know, I think
5: that's really going to be good good a key Making them more
3: comfortable is great
5: I think that's really going to be key I think you know one of our approaches wasn't to figure out how to adopt what we already had it's figuring out what our outcome was and new ways to get there because I think that really opened up a can of not a can of worms but like like a good opportunity for the long run is to start engaging the whole family, and then that way the parents can get involved and maybe move the whole family up the hill faster versus just taking the kids and separating them. And then all of a sudden, lessons over. Now what do we do? Mom has no idea what we did with the kid for three days or or whatnot. So that can hopefully move the whole family up the mountain together as well. That
1: makes sense because it's all about the social bubble, and so you're just working with what we're forced to do anyways, which is to stay in our little bubbles. So I think that's right. a great idea. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. All right. Um, next up, we have Simone paget
3: I'd like to introduce Simone paget from the Les Amois Group in uh, Quebec. There's five re- five resorts there that that uh, that company manages, and I find this really interesting because speaking of exploring outside and wanting to get outside of cities, I think these resorts are going to be uh, very, very visited very much this coming season. In demand, so. for sure. What's that? in demand for sure in demand. thank you yeah so uh simone i know you were on the rental uh, uh uh huddle a few weeks ago and i know we've heard about your outdoor storage facilities on on skis and, and boards and kind of moving the process along but has there been any um changes as you look at the rental shop or how you're evaluating moving forward with the rental shop that you can provide an update with
10: yeah, for sure. Uh, we still have a couple of options. We're not totally uh, 100% sure what we're going to do for next season. Uh, the advantage we have for like three seasons now is to have our ski box. Like every skis and snowboards are already outside. So no no more issue about, uh, skis, uh, about skis and snowboard. Uh, boot fitting for sure is the major problem. So right now, uh, it's not totally sure we're going to do it. But maybe we'll take the path just to help new skiers, people coming for a first-timer lesson to try to help them to boot them because they never skied before. But in Quebec, we have a lot of people ski occasionally three, four times a year and rent equipment. So right now we're looking about how we could keep those people from the inside. So we talk about, the, is it a boot box or is it in the parking lodge? Try to have, is it car delivery boots? So we, we try to Flip around with with those couple crazy idea right now because if you ski before, you're you manage to be able to boot fit yourself. So uh, could we keep people outside because skis already is outside? Uh, the guests could pick it up. Your their their ticket, their lift ticket at the pickup box. So it's just the boot. So we're thinking about those uh, those ideas right now. Maybe car delivery or pickup outside. So your car is going to be your best lodge. Uh, I know a lot of people talk about it uh, before, but uh, in our mindset, if we could give them the the boot, they got their car, and I think they will be okay for sure. It's not going to be a hundred percent curve, you know. Some people is going to be mismatching the sizing and stuff like that. We're going to need we're, we're going to need to adapt and adjust, but uh, I think it's going to be the key to keep keep people out of the building.
3: And and much li- pivoting to ski and ride schools, much like uh, Squaw, you have a huge uh, multi week program. Uh, that that feeds a lot of the the surrounding areas. How are you tackling that? What are the discussions you're having around those programs?
10: Yeah, it's a it's a huge part in, in Quebec uh, in the snow school. The biggest product we have it's a seasonal program, so kids coming for eight to ten weekend uh, every Saturday or Sunday. Uh, we have more than six thousand kids every weekend, so that's a, a huge ball game to be prepared. And right now, I don't know if it's a good problem or a bad problem, but sales going really really good right now so it's it's good news but it's a bit stressful because we have a lot of stuff we don't know yet we don't have answer for a lot of questions coming from the government from a couple of, of restrictions uh, right now for sure the big battle uh, as well is to be sure instructors are coming back uh, so that's the biggest challenge but to, to operate those program uh, on the snow we're not that quite stressed i think uh, we we're really looking about when the Rachel speak a little bit before about that to to have bubbles. You know, if the kids stay with the same instructor all year long, I think it's going to be the key. Uh, we review our ratio uh, for the three to five years old. Normally, they were in between three to five kids per instructor. So we took the decision for those young kids. They're going to be three with instructor to to be sure they could fit in the lift. You know, the instructor with the three kids in, in the quad chair. For sure, I'm not going to speak about exception about a three place or stuff like that. But majorly, three kids when instructor, they're going to be like independent. Eight, uh, eight of year and more, uh, I, I I don't think it's going to be a, it's not going to be a big issue uh, because normally they're able to take the lift by themselves. It's more the six to seven years old are a little bit more challenging. So we're looking about because before it was pretty easy, like a lot of uh, speakers told before. An adult or another scary could help them to take the lift. So right now, we're looking more to have assistant instructor with those, uh, those uh, group of age. So uh, that's a couple of stuff we're looking. But like, like I told you, outside, we're pretty comfortable. Uh, for sure, staff training is going to be a major, really important issue uh, to commit them about this new reality. So it's going to be really, really important. And one of the things is pretty critical, and a lot of uh, speakers talk about it earlier, it's, it's the inside for, for lunch. So we have a lot of full-day programs. Uh, we have as well a big business about having kids just in the morning. And, you know, the, the pathway normally, a lot of family in Quebec, young kids took lesson in the morning, parents ski by themselves. Lunchtime is like a happy 30 minutes with the family, 45 minutes. And after that, they go and uh, ski outside another hour or, or 90 minutes with the family. So those guests, want, uh, for them, it's going to be important to have a facilities. But we really, I think your car is going to be your best lodge this winter, but uh, we'll, we'll work. We, we plan to work about a lot of solutions to maybe prioritize those guests in the building. And one thing's pretty important in Quebec as well. In Quebec, sometimes it's cold. Eh? So uh, it could be minus 20, minus 30 easily. So one of our main focus for us will be to keep staff, guests, and especially uh, children uh, safe. That's going to be really important. Because so we need to guarantee to those young kids and to the parents specifically that if they're cold, we could have a place inside to keep them warm. So that's going to be... A really, really big commitment we need to do it. We need to be planning in advance. But on the other end, when it's really, really cold, the regular guest at the resort is, you know, we don't have the same amount of guests. So it's, when it's really cold, normally it's more ski school, racing things. So that's going to help us. But for sure, cold for us, is really important to take care of it, to have different ideas on the resort, not just the main building, other maybe uh, uh, other place to get uh, warmed up. So that's going to be really important for us.
1: Simone, if if you know, when I hear the combination of of things where you know, you've got the cold um, to deal with a little bit more up in Canada. Um, but also um if we're asking parents to become more of the instructors, um, and we're just uh, they're not able to take the little the nice breaks, you know, that send the kids away and everybody regroup and happy at lunch and all that. So I have you I've heard a lot of other resorts considering um smaller blocks of time because if you're using your car and it's cold and the kids get cranky when they're with you too much. And so have you considered selling in blocks of time shorter than a full day?
10: Yeah, for sure. Right now uh, we really review our capacity because uh, we don't know yet a lot of stuff, but for sure, as much as we sold full day program, as much as it's trickier to manage it. So right now we have huge decision to took in the next 10 days. Uh, because uh, right now the sales going really well and we have a cutoff date mid October. So the next week is going to be more and more and more in demand. So by the end of the week, max next week, we plan to make, if we need to review some capacity, will be maybe more in full day uh, mm-hmm. because uh, half day is really more easy to, to manage. Mm-hmm. And before COVID, we, a couple of years before, before we really start to be uh, strong on max for sales because if we go back a couple of years before we have like 80 percent kids in the morning 15 in the afternoon and right now we really focus on max for sales and i'm pretty close to 50 50 right now morning and afternoon so i think we need to go back with this focus to try to spread people as much as we could and another thing we start uh, at some essence and Avila Avila side three years before we have programs starting at 3 p.m so that's another way to try to spread people and the first time we, we put program at 3 p.m., because for sure we have, we have night skiing, a lot of people look at us and you're freaked. Nobody's going to enroll their kids at this time. At 3, they're tired, and it's really, really popular. A lot of people really commit, and especially when you have night passes and stuff like that could be a great package for a family to have night passes. It's cheaper to enroll in the ski school program at 3. So this is a great option to try to really spread out the, mm-hmm. the, the program.
3: Okay. Last question, just a quick, quick question in regards, you mentioned training and how key training is going to be in, in the culture going into this winter, but are there any concerns in regards to, I'm sure you have weekend warriors or people who just, the culture and the positive energy of a locker room is a lot of reasons why snow sports instructors are part of the industry. Have you had much thought into how this could affect retainment, not just for this year, but for future years or any thought into how you're, you're staffing and maintaining staff?
10: Yeah, that's a great question because uh, I know everyone really works so hard to keep keep instructor to to have a good uh, retention rate. So for sure, this season could have an impact on this season, but on the other one, because you know, BSK instructor is like a lifeguard at summertime. You know, it's it's a lifestyle. So I think it's something we need to really look at it really closely because, you know, one of the reasons instructor came at the winter for sure is to teach some children and some people. But as well, they want to lunch together. They want to go uh, make a ride together. They want to go ski together. So I think those important things are going to be really, really important to to look at it because we don't know yet if it's going to be possible to leave four instructors co- to go in the same chair at the lift. We don't know yet. So I think it's really important to look at those points. And right now, I think a good way to try to keep them, you know, uh, with a good momentum, we we think, uh, think about... Uh, Giving them more training as much as we could. Like we we start a couple of years before to try to give them more training, but I think it's going to be the best way to engage them to be outside, to be on the snow. Uh, I know we always have issue about time slot because we're really busy in the snow school. But uh, three years before we start to have training at night, Friday night stuff like that. So we we really try to focus to have more training on snow because I think the first reason they came here is to come and ski with their friends. So for sure, lift may be an issue because we don't have all the answers right now, but I think it's gonna, it's gonna be really, really important to don't forget the fun of skiing eh? because right now it's pretty freaking every meeting in the last six months we're talking about how could we have less people here and how could we make restriction and but you know skiing and snowboarding. It's, it's, it's a way of life and the fun is really important uh, in, in this mix. So I think it's going to be really, really important to engaging people as much as we could because it's going to be really important. To, to give you an idea, at summertime, we operate a water park and it was a challenge. We, we really managed uh, through the summer, but it, it was a challenge because especially uh, young kids, 15, 16, 20 years, they came here for the lifestyle to have fun. So I think it's going to be really important. But on the other hand, we could, it, it will be maybe impossible to have gathering, you know, so we need to try to manage uh, fun versus, uh, safety. versus uh, safety. So yeah. that's gonna be the challenge.
1: Thanks so much, Simone. That's great, great information. Um, we are gonna um, go over to uh, Tom Norton, who is the Ski and Snowboard School Director at Wachusett Mountain. And I believe we also have um, Carolyn Stimson on the line who's just gotten off her bike riding the pan mass challenge. So, uh, so Tom um you at what you know, we all know, you know, you're, you're 45 minutes from Boston. You're my local um, ski area that I go to on, you know, w- without any thought and any planning and just, you know, you, it's the type of mountain you just, you show up to and you don't do a lot of planning. You guys have what, 350,000 skier visits. Is it, is it, pretty yeah. average year for you yeah.
6: 350 and, to 400 correct
1: yeah so um and i know i've talked a lot to carolyn and you guys are going all over the place with ideas there are some super innovative ideas and trying some new things like going into the this you know selling shorter blocks of um visits to try and spread everybody out and but sort of take us a little bit through um rental you guys are we, we've you looked at you as a as a model in the past for your you know the the customer service and the whole guest experience of rental. So how is that going to be dealt with, with the, with the COVID lens? Well, I think um, really can I, on
6: the head with us, because we're with an hour's drive of 8 million people. So on a, you know, the snow is right. And the temperatures are right. We really do have a lot of people that will just get in the car and drive up. So one of the things that we're working is everything's going to be done online. Um, you, you know, our rental building is directly next to the snow sports school. So we're going to have a flow where we have the equipment is going to be pre tech, pre-ordered and delivered on, outside and then they're going to flow right into the ski school we're going to add some sprung structures with heating to really kind of keep people comfortable uh and socially distanced you know we're having limited access to our lodge limited access to the bars and the restaurants so a lot of the everything that we're doing is going to be done outside we're going to have food service outside we've done some construction on some of the buildings we've added some decking so as as you said there is a lot of things that we're juggling in the air right now and a lot of ideas out there one of the most important things is I identified a group of snow sports ambassadors who are actually going to help guide people because we're going to spread the former lineups out to different locations all over the base area. So what'll happen is they'll meet you and take you through the the rental system. If we need to make adjustments on boots or something like that, they'll be able to do that. And then they'll send you to the right location for your lesson. So, so
1: when you, You drive up and you you don't you can't just show up and get rent. You have to reserve that in advance. Reserve
6: it. And we're always going to have walk-in business, but we're just trying to limit that. You know, if we could have eighty percent online and ten or twenty percent walk-in, that we'd be comfortable. Because typically, on a busy uh, February or March, you know, when the weather's right, the temperatures are right, we could have seven or eight thousand people show up. Okay.
11: And Carolyn, I heard you there. So we will probably do a lot of what we did our, our last week of operation, which was as people arrived, as the walk-ins arrived, we'd say, hey, open your phone and, and put in your information. So then we could run the, the, uh, the technology piece of it and, and uh, pre-tech their skis as they were coming from tickets over to rentals. So. We'll, uh, we'll do that. We had everybody doing takeout on the on that last week weekend. So everybody was getting past boots out the window. Now we're actually going to have a deck out where that window was. So in radiant heat, and as Tom mentioned, some uh, tents to be able to uh, boot people up. We're even looking at uh, those uh, NFL benches for the heated benches. Uh, right. They're 50 grand. So if you know anyone who wants to sponsor them, we'd, we'd be down with that.
1: <laughs> so, um, so it's the kind of thing you could drive up to the parking lot and it would be instructions on signage to go on your phone on your app and you you, you do it all there or are you saying before or tom's you
11: ambassadors as they as they arrive we'll have the ambassador saying hey um we'll know who has reservations if they don't have reservations they won't have it showing in their in their windshield so we'll put pass them over to a different group because we're we're thinking we're going to get slammed like uh new zealand like kadrona when we know people just based on the number of hikers by the number of people all summer long that have been tra- crawling over the mountain we know we're getting hit. What are we up 30% right now on, uh, on passes? We're scared.
1: And so to take it through how you're going to do that. Cause you have a lot of the, you have the season passes and then, um, and then you have the, you know, the, the people just show up. So how do you know how you're going to.
11: So we're actually going to ask season pass holders to make reservations. And based on the sale we just had over Labor Day, we actually um, got biffed because we had 36,000 square feet of re- retail space, which we could only put 22 customers in. So we took reservations and, um, it was booked up immediately. All the reservations were t- filled and then half the people showed up. So we know they have to have skin in the game in order to make them show up. And that's going to be true for the, the season pass holders as well, which they're they're a little wiggy about. But we're, we're saying, hey, just let us know so we can save you a spot. We're going to take a deposit. As long as you show up, you just keep rolling over the deposit to the next visit. Nice.
1: Um, and what about the, the inventory for the rest of the public? Will that become... Something you release on weekly or so as
11: as Simone based on your uh, cycle uh, your uh, spin class we're doing uh, weekly releases so uh, um, we're we're looking at um, you know just a rolling weekly um, availability and we'll have um, most saved for season pass holders um, and and definitely some for the public because we can't afford the season pass holders with the public doesn't help
1: it's not such a stretch because we're trained in other aspects of our lives like spin class, Sunday night at five o'clock, we're all trained to get on there and get the classes that we want before they're booked up. And we just accept that as what we need to do to get the spin classes we want. And so we're saying there's no reason why we can't train our public, you know, to hustle to get the the spots that capacity allows for.
11: And Tom's been working hard on uh, figuring out what we're going to do with all the school kids, your school kids that are going to do ski PE. Tom, you want to talk a little bit more about that?
6: Yeah, we're going to add a program that a lot of the kids have half days. They have off on Wednesdays. Their schedules are all over the maps. And we're starting to see that they're looking to get the kids outside and to do some type of exercise. So I think I'm going to change it to snow PE because I don't want to isolate the snowboarders, but just to give them an option. And it seems like Wednesday in Massachusetts, a lot of the schools are going to be closed for cleaning and then they're going to have a half day. But I like some of the ideas about, you know, running lessons later into the evening. We've added some lineups on the weekend so we can really to coordinate with the four hour blocks, we can have a lot more lessons available. That's great, so, yeah. You might good. not
3: know this answer, but how are school districts just curious? How are they dealing with busing? Have they Are they limiting busing or just doubling up
6: buses or just curious? They're allowing 25 kids on a bus that used to have 60. So the challenge is for the school systems, are they gonna pick up the busing? Or are we gonna have carpooling with parents? So Carolyn has a lot of ideas and we've just been kind of brainstorming on that one, the best way to do it. Oh, that's great. That's great.
3: We just
11: did a survey and about half of the schools, surprisingly, were are going to still be busing, um, probably not so much for for, uh, you know, skiing, but they will be they'll be in school. So that's uh, encouraging. And we're definitely going to be doing some serious drop off pickups. So we're going to have, you know, that top lot's going to be all drop offs.
1: Nice, great. Thanks. Well, yeah, thank you, um, Carolyn and Tom for sharing that information with us. Um, we have one last um, little, um, s- s- some intel from an, a one last resort here. Um, and this came by way of Ryan Etrium. Ryan Etrium from Wintersteiger has been um, calling around pretty much all over Austria and um, this South America. And kind of, we asked them to kind of gather if there's any thinking that's different or new that we can share on rental that they're doing in other parts of the world. Um, he felt, you know, th- that it wasn't drastically different from where we're at. But um, Ryan, you did put us in the direction of um, checking out Crystal Mountain. So Ryan, help me out with kind of piecing together um, until we can get um, Crystal Mountain. But you're the one that kind of put me into this uh, to go look into them. But um, you know what you had said was um, that they. Um, based on current restrictions, they can have 100 people, hopefully more by winter, in their rental space. Um, and they've changed plans to house both boots and skis inside, redesign the space to move one-way flow. Uh, we're going to uh, go to an advanced purchase requirement and planning to preset much of the BYS rental. Um, so when customers come in, we hand them the, both the boots and the skis and send them on their way. We are planning on encouraging weekend house guests to pick up their pre-reserved rental equipment at our outside valet door on arrival, which we will help load into their vehicles. Uh, Ski pole pickup and return will be outside. Snowboard equipment will have their own separate pickup area in the rental flow. Um, And and one thing that Chris McGinnis pointed out is that um, they're really working with um, the Michigan ski industry together, they have all worked together to develop something called the Safe Start Ski Plan, um, which Chris McGinnis, I know you're on the call. I think that helped um, give you a little more flexibility on the capacity um, in your state. It allowed you to increase your permitted capacities because you guys came together and created a a comprehensive plan.
12: Yeah, that's correct. And I think Richard Wren is also, you've been, haven't you also been on that task force, Richard? One of the really cool things that I think the task force is doing is defining um, snow sports um, as an outdoor recreation. And with outdoor recreation, we have far fewer limits on capacity. Now, obviously, we have a lot of limitations on inside and so we're figuring out again as is everyone we're figuring out how we're going to do the food and realistically in our cafeteria we actually aren't going to have any seating our our cafeteria you'll be able to come in Um, again it'll be a scramble system um, and then you'll check out and all of the food service or all of the seating or most of the seating will be in tents. Um, And those tents, we've again, set up heating, uh, particularly the the big tent uh, where I think we can have, I think we'll be able to have um, over a hundred people in that tent, but that has very strong airflow. Uh, Some of the other tents, again, we've been able to increase capacity by having um, two sides open. So the health department is saying you can increase the capacity if you, <laughs> if if again you can increase the airflow, and we also will be using our conference center for seating. Um, but I, I think the collaboration with the Michigan ski industry with Mickey McWilliams and also our our governor and the health department and then our local health departments it's, and the industry itself. And again I give. Richard credit on there as well as Steve's been on that task force, but I think that's really helped, at least at this point. To um, give us a fair amount of flexibility, particularly outside and that allowed us with our rental space to have again which Olivia you you cited we could have 100 people because it's considered a retail. Um, It's considered a retail operation, so we were pleased with that. The big if that we're all dealing with is, <laughs> you know, it's it's a little bit like working in quicksand. Quick quick you just don't know. None of us know from minute to minute, you know, how those, what level right now, we're in level five. Uh, Michigan's, you know, uh, caseload has been increasing, but the severity is not. We continue to be afraid that we may move back uh, to level four, which would be greater restrictions. Uh, we also are concerned about a second surge uh, that could we we particularly could see in November, December as more people are inside.
1: Um, Ryan, do you have anything to add in what you, um, before we close up? Do you...
13: By way of getting the information, I, was, I just asked our sales reps and my counterparts in Europe uh, what's unique and what's going on. And I know this is I think kind of a question that's out there but and I don't want to speak for any resorts this is just third hand that I heard but one cool thing I saw for school groups was from snow trails in Ohio they've actually created a bus specific lane that goes right up to the rental shop for their school groups and they'll unload 40 kids at a time take them in get them set up and as they leave they'll bring the next 40 so the buses stay heated warmed, running ah. and then they just for 40 kids at a time can go into there they have a big rental area where they can bring them, a, a special area where they can bring 40 kids into. I thought that was a unique um, aspect that I heard along the way. But other than that, um, one question I keep seeing pop up is rental returns. Uh, it, it's really racking, it's gonna be really important for rental returns, just having a place, whether it be indoor or outdoor, where customers can just place a ski on and boots on a shelf. Um, we just, it was a system we had a long time ago that we went away with from our easy store product, but we just developed a return rack, but it's good for, I like it because it's, you can put about five to eight pairs of skis, depending on how big it is with shelves. So you put helmets, boots on there. And if you have a family that's renting and reserving, you can put their, all their gear on one, roll it out somewhere where they can queue and come grab it without actually going inside. And somebody can help them with the binding adjustment, how, you know, show them how it's set and how to operate it. And then it works really well for returns. So it just rolls back into the shop for sanitizing and putting back on the racks. Nice. Yeah. So, But I, I think that's about everything. I, I'm really enjoying all the different perspectives and unique ideas that, that everybody's um, coming up with. And I think certainly all this combined, uh, we're going to have a really successful winter.
1: Yeah. We got this, for sure. <laughs>
0: Resorts are coming up with many creative solutions to manage both rental and snow sports school operations this coming winter. We'll be diving into some of these solutions further on future huddles. If you'd like to join the huddle conversation, email huddle at saminfo.com. The September issue of Sam Magazine is out now. Subscribe or renew your subscription to Sam at www.saminfo.com slash subscribe check out the special buckle up section aimed at helping you smooth some of the operational bumps we will surely encounter this season. The small cost of a subscription is a big value for you and your team. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. The PodSAM advisor is Alex Kaufman, the Winter Mix podcast guy. I am Sarah Wardaev and thank you for listening to PodSAM.